Welcome to Roadside, the podcast where we talk about the fascinating and sometimes disturbing history behind roadside attractions and unique destinations. We're your hosts. I'm Abigail. And I'm Janica. And we just want to apologize because we've had a bit of a hiatus here. Yeah. If you can't tell, I'm sick. And then mom was sick before me. I was sick for a week and I completely lost my voice. Yeah, it's not been fun. I was communicating with my boys with an app. So instead of talk to text, it was text to talk. Oh gosh. So that I could communicate with them because I couldn't talk. Yeah, mine is still recovering. And then I started taking Spanish lessons and I had to cancel a couple of those because I couldn't talk yeah that's sad and then we had thanksgiving which we did have a nice thanksgiving but then you and both of your brothers all got sick i know it has not been a good time i've been sick for like five ish days now and i think i was sick for about six or seven so you've probably got a couple days to go gross i've literally been doing nothing but laying in bed well rest helps Yes, it does. I have a couple things that I want to talk about, but do you have anything that you want to talk about first? I don't think so. I think I'm good. I've gotten quite a bit of positive feedback from people. They think we're funny. They like listening (gasps) to us. And we have a website now, (laughs) which is roadsidepodcast.com. And we also have merch available. Yes, we do. So right now we have t-shirts, sweatshirts, and stickers. That's all we have right now. And actually nothing's ready to ship just yet. But you can go online to our website and pre-order. And we expect them to start shipping in January. Whoop whoop. So that's very exciting. I'm actually wearing my roadside shirt right now. Oh, nice. I gotta pull mine out of my suitcase still. I still have not unpacked since being back. I don't blame you. Yeah. So our other exciting piece of news is we're gonna do a giveaway. Oh yeah, we are. Since we have merch now, we're going to give some of that away. We're going to give it away to three of our listeners. All you need to do is put a new post on either TikTok, Instagram, or Facebook, because that's all the platforms that we're on, Mm -hmm. by December 31st, and then put your favorite roadside attraction. It can be something we've done, something we haven't done. Honestly, if it was something we haven't done, then that's exciting for us for a show idea. Tag us in the post, and then we will randomly select three listeners, and you will get either a t-shirt or a sweatshirt you won't know which one or and you won't know which color either so that's going to be a surprise but we will ask for your size then we'll add some stickers and we'll just throw some other little surprises in there a little surprise because we love all of you yes we do with all of our hearts very much so and my last bit of news is i'm looking at some sponsors Ooh. I didn't know that. I know. I'm surprising you. Ooh, I love a surprise. You probably don't remember this because you were very little, but I used to listen to this radio show in St. Louis, and I don't believe it's on the air anymore, but it's called The Frank Opinion Show. I don't remember that. They were on for a long time. Um, They used to be on the morning, then they were on in the afternoon, and I just loved that show. And Uncle Jake would listen to it too, so... Every once in a while, you may hear one of us say, good story, Dan. 
Because there was this guy on the show named Dan and he would just tell these stories that were kind of pointless or they would go on forever. So then everybody on the show would just be silent and then they would say, good story, Dan. (laughs) So if anybody tells a pointless story, you might hear one of us say that. Okay, good to know. I'll be in the loop. The reason I bring that up is because they had sponsors as any radio show does. Mm -hmm. But they were very adamant about their sponsors and they wouldn't have a sponsor on the show unless they had used the service or the product and would also recommend it. And that's kind of the philosophy that I want to go with. That's a good one. Yeah, because I don't want to just recommend a product or a service to somebody if it's something that I've never tried before and certainly not something that I wouldn't recommend. Yeah, that's a good point. So for our listeners, just know that when we do have sponsors, there are going to be things that we actually have tried or like and would want to recommend to you. Yes, I like that. That's a good idea. I figured you would like that. I do. I approve. Okay, good. Glad you approve. Yep. Today's a long one, so I think we're just going to have to get into it now. Let's get into it. I'm excited. These are the five haunted lighthouses on the Oregon coast. Dun, dun, dun. There are more than five lighthouses on the Oregon coast, but these are considered to be the haunted ones. Okay. I'm going to go in the order of what I found least to most interesting and not saying that any of these are not interesting. Yeah. Just that there are some that actually have a lot more interesting information or history behind them. Right. And I love lighthouses and just the fact that each one is just so unique and there's just so much history behind it. And the fact that some of these, well, probably all of these were built without the technology and the equipment that we have today and just in some really terrible conditions. So they just fascinate me. And two of these we actually got to visit on our trip to the Pacific Northwest. We did indeed. So we'll get to talk about those. The first one is Cape Mears, which is located in Cape Mears, Oregon. Okay. The lighthouse itself is not actually what is spooky here. Okay. And just a side note, the amount of resources that are going to be listed in the show notes is crazy. Oh, gosh. So when you're studying five different things, there's just all these different sources. Well, yeah, it's a lot. So like I said, this is probably going to be a pretty long episode, but I didn't really feel like any of these warranted their own episode. I guess they could, but it would just be digging really deep at that point. Right. Might be a shorter episode. Yeah, and they would be. So this just might be a little bit longer. Although this is the five most haunted lighthouses in Oregon. I didn't actually find any hauntings or ghosts at Cape Mears. Dang it. I think it's just more of the story or the history behind it that people just had this spooky kind of haunting feeling. Oh. And it's actually not even the lighthouse itself. It's what is just a couple hundred feet from the lighthouse, which is a tree called the octopus tree. Oh. And the tree has nothing to do with an octopus. It's actually a tree. It's disappointing. It's also known as the candelabra tree, if you know what a candelabra is. Of course I do. It is also known as the council tree and the monstrosity tree. Oh, I like that one. Oh, you like that one? (laughs) 
Yeah. It is actually a Sitka spruce tree. Okay. It is 250 to 300 years old. I found several sources that said that, but I did find one that said that it was about 2,000 years old. And I'm just going to say that that's not right. Yeah. Even the sign in front of the tree says 250 to 300 years old. So we're just going to go with that. Maybe somebody just hit an extra zero in that article. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Or they're just being extra. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I want you to picture a tree in your head. Not not a pine tree, just a regular tree. So the branches angle up towards the sky. Classic. Very tree-like. Exactly. But this tree is not very tree-like. Oh, So the octopus tree, the branches, when they grew, they grew horizontally. So parallel to the ground, not angled towards the sky. Okay. So once they grew out, then they made a 90 degree angle and went straight up towards the sky. Okay. Well, what is this? What is this a tree called again? I'm going to look it up. I want to see a picture. It's called the octopus tree. That's probably the most common name for it. Okay, hold on. I'm looking it up. It is kind of spooky looking. Oh, oh, oh. I don't want to be anywhere near that tree. (laughs) (laughs) So let me tell you the history behind it and you'll see why it's even more spooky. Oh, no. After the branches grow out and then they start growing up, they grow a hundred feet up into the air there's no real trunk to the tree just it's just kind of a big base as soon as the branches started growing they were just growing out yeah i did notice that the base is approximately 50 feet around i did see uh one source that said 46 feet actually that was the sign in front of it but that sign was posted a while ago so who knows i'm sure it's grown by then okay And so with that description, and if you look at the picture, you can see that it gives this octopus-like appearance. I mean, it's almost like if you turned an octopus upside down. Yeah. The local tribes would place their dead in canoes and then put them in this tree. In, In the tree? Like within the limbs? Correct. They would place their dead in a canoe and then place that into the tree. And this was called a tree burial. That's terrifying. So some people believe the tree grew this way because of extreme weather. Okay. But historians now believe that the tribes forced the tree to grow this way. So as a new tree, forced the limbs to grow straight out until the desired length and then force them to grow straight up that way it would be easier for them to do the tree burial correct which makes sense yeah but that seems like a really long time to get those branches to grow that way right but then extreme weather i mean i don't know how that would happen either no i don't either i am no scientist (laughs) yeah me neither But that is Kate Mears. That's really all there is to it. So you can see why I wouldn't want to do a whole episode on it. Go look up a picture of that tree if you don't, if you've never seen it. It's, it's pretty creepy. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of like uh, the Whomping Willow from Harry Potter. Oh, yeah, I could see that. But like creepier. But like lower on the ground. Yeah. Yeah, we, we should uh, post a picture of it on our socials. Okay, deal. I'll do it. 
Awesome. The next one we actually visited. Whoop whoop. This is the Yaquina Bay Lighthouse. Yes, it is. Yaquina, if you don't know, is spelled Y-A-Q-U-I-N-A. It gets its name from the Yaquina Native American tribe who once occupied the land. This was a fairly small tribe. In the early 1870s, Congress approved $20,000 to build this lighthouse. Mm -hmm. They were actually trying to build lighthouses all along the coast at this time and then trying to evenly space them out. One of the areas that they wanted to build a lighthouse was around Newport, Oregon. So they decided to build this Yaquina Bay lighthouse. Congress approved $20,000, which would be four hundred and eighty eight thousand dollars today wow that's a lot of money yeah but it's not the most expensive one we're going to talk about this lighthouse opened november 3rd 1871 only one lightkeeper was ever in service and his name was charles h purse if you look it up it looks like it's spelled pierce but it's pronounced purse Charles and his wife, Sarah, lived there with seven of their nine children. This was the one that we had the tour guide. Oh, I remember this one. And we kind of walked around with us and we got to go inside the house. Because we didn't get to go inside the other one. Right. The tour guide was very nice. Shout out to him wherever he is. Yes. I don't know his name. I don't remember. But he was very nice. He was very nice. He was just closing up for the day and he was like, yeah, come on in. Very nice. Very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. It was only in operation for three years because the Yaquina Head Lighthouse was also being built at the same time. And keeping up with yeah. both lighthouses at the same time didn't really make financial sense. Yeah. The locals were even thinking, like, why are you even building two of them? They were literally three miles apart. Okay. I don't know who came up with that, but all right. Same. It closed October 1st, 1874, and in 1888, it was used as barracks for crews who were building a jetty nearby. Okay. Do you know what a jetty is? Nope. I was just going to let it slide. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't either. I was like, wait, she knows what a jetty is and I didn't? No, I have no idea what a jetty is. I was just, I was, you know, fake it till you make it. Like, I was just going to be like, yeah, jetty. If I had known what a jetty was, I would have let it slide. And you had gone your whole life not knowing what a jetty is. Okay, so so tell me what a jetty is. So a jetty is basically a dock, except that it's more like land. Oh, okay. So not a wooden dock. So it's okay. built with like rocks and things like that to, to dock yeah, your boat. Yeah, I've seen those. I've seen those around. Okay. We're, we're Midwesterners, so there's there's not a lot around. No. No, not many jetties in St. Louis. No. All right. So 1899, we have a story that was published in the Pacific Monthly Magazine. And it was written by Lishan M. Miller. And it was called The Haunted Light at Newport by the Sea. Oh. And you can look up this story online and... I actually have this in the show notes, uh, but there's a podcast that's called Offbeat Oregon. Oh, okay. I found it on Amazon podcast, but I'm sure you can find it anywhere else. But they also have a website and you can listen to this whole story or you can read it online as well. 
In the story, a young woman, it doesn't give her age, Muriel Trevenard. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Okay. But she is left at the lighthouse alone while her father is traveling. Scary. She and a group of friends find a secret door. Ooh, I love secret doors. Yeah. Apparently, there's a tunnel that leads from the house down to the water. Oh. According to this story. Her and her friends are exploring this because they just found it. Of course. Well, why wouldn't you? Classic white people. (laughs) I did not say Muriel was white. Her name is Muriel, mother. Okay, she probably was. She's white. Yeah. Muriel says, oh no, I left my handkerchief back at the house. So she decides she has to go back to get it. Okay. Because when you're exploring tunnels out to the sea... You have to have your handkerchief. You need your handkerchief. It's really necessary. Yeah, it is important. In case you meet a handsome sailor and you have to do the bend and snap. (laughs) Oh, the bend and snap. And you just drop your handkerchief. (laughs) Perfect. I'm sure Muriel was thinking, I may need to do the bend and snap. That's why I carry a handkerchief. Yeah. (sighs) So she goes to get her handkerchief. Okay. And the group continues on. All of a sudden, they hear screaming. Terrible screaming. Muriel. They race back upstairs, and the only thing they find is a handkerchief and a pool of blood. Oh, shit. And Muriel is gone. Gone? Like, totally gone? Gone. Never to be seen again. Holy shit. What happened? Don't know. Uh Uh-uh. Some people believe that this is fictional, that it was just a story written in a magazine. Yeah. And some people believe that it's real. And I read there's a lot of locals that believe this is a real story. Okay. Is she, is she a ghost? Just a second. Okay, okay. <laughs> In the 1970s, I saw one article called him a hitchhiker and another article just called him like some guy wandering looking for a job. But anyway, he had no place to stay and he rolled out a sleeping bag at the lighthouse and decided that's where he was going to stay. So at this time, it was out of commission and it wasn't open to the public yet. Mm -hmm. But he said that there was a ghostly figure of a woman that leaned over him and told him that he would find a job the next day and not to worry. Oh, that's so nice. And the next day he found a job. Okay. We love nice ghosts. Yeah. So if Muriel is real... And she's a ghost. It sounds like she's nice. And that was the only kind of ghost sighting that I could find. And when you and I were there, I didn't really get any weird feelings. I got a little bit of a weird feeling at that one. Maybe Muriel's just a nice ghost. Maybe. I don't know. I felt a little bit weird when we were walking up to it. Did you? Like I got a weird vibe. I didn't feel very weird inside the house. No, not really. I I just found it interesting, really. Yeah. But I didn't really get any weird, spooky vibes in the house. Mm, I didn't either. Well, actually, the only thing is, we didn't get to go upstairs. And I will say, by the stairs, I kind of got a little bit of an eerie feeling. They were, it was a little creepy. And they were really narrow. They were. In 1956, it was dubbed a historical Mm -hmm. site. Because it was going to be torn down. Good. But then it sat there for a while. Yeah. And then in 1974, it was refurbished and opened to the public. So when you walk in, it's not the same furniture, Mm -hmm. but it's furniture of the time. And when you go in there, 
there is a little plaque that lists the lighthouse keeper, his wife, and their children. This will be important to note for another story later because this was in the late 1870s, so 71 to 74. Whenever the, the lighthouse was there. Correct. Okay. I remember that. And this plaque lists their names and their birthdays. Yeah. Okay. So remember that for later too. Oh, okay. Like I said earlier, they had seven of their nine children living there. Nine children. In one of the articles that I read, it was showing pictures. And I didn't even think about this when we were in there. But in the kitchen is like this little table with just four chairs. And the person that wrote the article was like, they had to have had a way bigger table because they had nine people living in this house. That is crazy. It was this tiny little house. I can't even imagine having that many children. No, thank you. My body would shut down. Yep. (laughs) So that is the Yaquina Bay Lighthouse. So now we're going to go to the Yaquina Head Lighthouse. Oh, okay. So this is also located within the traditional territories of the Yaquina tribe. At 93 feet, it is the tallest of all the lighthouses on the Oregon coast. Nice. This one is still in operation today. The light shines out 19 feet out to sea, and it is only three miles north of the Yaquina Bay Lighthouse. So again, that's why they shut down that one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm guessing the reason that they kept this one open instead is because it's taller and the light could shine out further. Right. This lighthouse sits on a strip of land that extends almost a mile. It's Mm -hmm. it's like almost a hook shape. And then it sits on the end of there. So in 1871, Congress approved $90,000 for this lighthouse, which is $2.2 million today. So in 1871, they approved $20,000 for the one at the bay. And then $90,000 for this one. Okay. And they're three miles apart. I don't know what they were thinking. I don't either. But also, like, I didn't I didn't live in that time. Maybe they needed more lighthouses back then. I don't know. Maybe they didn't realize that it was only three miles apart. Probably. Maybe. They're just like, oh, yeah, we need another lighthouse over there. Yep, go ahead. I mean, you know, lighthouses were very important back in the day. Yeah, they absolutely were. When we didn't have all of the technology and, yes. you know, don't want to crash into shore. Which some did, but. Are we going to get there? Are we going to learn about shipwrecks? We might. Shipwrecks creep We might talk out. about some shipwrecks. Oh my god. I'm going to have nightmares. <laughs> so as I said earlier, I love lighthouses because they're all unique. This one's not unique. What? This one used the exact same design as the Pigeon Point Lighthouse in San Francisco that was built in 1852. I looked them both up. They're the same lighthouse. Fake like, ass bitches. That's not right. Lame. Lame. Absolutely lame. Copycat. Here's where we're going to start to get into some of the more terrible things of these lighthouses. So this is the the third of the fifth. There were very tough weather conditions for these workers. Two boats of supplies were lost at sea on the way to deliver. So we don't know anything about those ships, really. Like, they just lost their supplies. They're gone. Now, because of the location, because it's like a mile that kind of hooks out, you could not get a ship to come right up there Mm -hmm. so it had to dock further away and all of the supplies had to be delivered to the site by wagon oh that sounds like a lot of hard work yeah i would be way too lazy to live back in back in those times (laughs) like you could not catch me driving a wagon 
you're a woman. All you had to do is be in the house. Yeah, I could just make my husband do it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know what? Maybe I could survive. Maybe I, maybe I, maybe I, well, thrive. you wouldn't have women's rights then either. Yeah. That would piss me off. Right. It's a trade, I guess. Yeah. I would also for sure be burned at the stake. <laughs> I would for sure be burned at the stake. You would. You would already be gone. Yeah. You would, I'm, no I'm too outspoken. Yes. The tower consists of a double wall. So there's a wall on the outside, a wall on the inside, and then there's a, a gap in between. It's not an accessible gap. I don't know if it's for insulation or just. Right structure or what but just know that it's a double wall tower okay i get the feeling that that's going to come back (laughs) and it consists of over three hundred and seventy thousand bricks that's a lot of bricks all those bricks had to be brought by wagon ouch back problems yeah in 1872 there was a two-story house built for the keepers and then on august 20th of 1873 the first keeper named Fayette Crosby, lit the lard oil lantern for the first time. So it was this huge lantern, four wicks made with lard oil. Okay. Now they're going. In 1880, a tall fence was built to shield the buildings from the wind, the water, and the rocks because the waves would just crash and throw these rocks up, hit the buildings, and cause damage. 1888... The lantern was switched to mineral oil instead of lard oil. In 1922, a second house was built on the property. In the 1930s, the lantern was electric. Yay. And so now it flashed instead of just having a steady Mm -hmm. light, and it could be brighter, more consistent. In 1938, the original keeper's house was torn down and replaced. And then in 1939, the Coast Guard took over the ownership. In World War II, there were 17 servicemen that were stationed at the lighthouse, and that their duty was to watch for enemy ships. Okay. Yeah. And today, the light is automated, and the area is open to the public with over 400,000 visitors a year. Nice. We didn't get to go to that one. No. I didn't realize it was only three miles from the one we were, but... By the time we got there, I think it was starting to get dark. Yeah, it was. And that one was closing down. Right. So we didn't get to go to any other, or we got to go to another one, but we'll talk about that one in a minute. All right, here's some fun info. Well, that's what I have it, that's what I have it listed as. It might not be that fun. <laughs> some okay. Of, some of it might be fun. Some of, some of it's not fun. Some of it is. Okay. This is some extra info besides just the traditional history of the Yaquina Head Lighthouse. While the lighthouse was being built, a construction worker fell to his death between the two walls this is this is under the fun info uh-huh okay all right all right <laughs> and he is said to still be trapped between those two walls oh because there was no way to access him what a terrible way to die yeah like stuck between two walls in a lighthouse and i have to wonder when he fell did he immediately die oh. or was he just stuck and they couldn't get him out Ooh and he just died i don't like that at all i don't like that you asked that question (laughs) well that's what i was thinking because it says he fell to his death well it doesn't say when he died (laughs) that's scary yeah that's terrifying so you know he's haunting of course he is he's like you bitches left me down here yeah especially if he didn't die right away and he he was stuck down there like for his sake i hope he really did just instantly die because that would be a terrible terrible way to die but if he didn't and they were just like, oh, sorry, we can't get you out. I hope he haunted those bitches until their last breath. Same. Because I would destroy a whole ass lighthouse <laughs> if, 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 if 
I would destroy that whole ass lighthouse to get that man out. Yeah, well, who knows? They could have somebody could have said, "Don't even touch him," because that cost us ninety thousand dollars. Okay, but it's a human life. <laughs> I know. Who knows? I'm just saying. What the heck? I'm speculating. Who knows? Okay. Okay. So in the 1920s, Keeper Smith, so that's their last names. That's what they called all these lighthouse keepers is just Keeper and their last name. Okay. Keeper Smith went into town with his family and he left the assistant keepers, Higgins and Story, in charge. While in town, Smith noticed that the beacon wasn't shining when it was getting dark. And so he rushed back to the lighthouse. He found Higgins dead and Story passed out drunk. Higgins... From then on, Keeper Smith was so scared that Higgins' ghost would haunt him that he never went to the tower again without his dog. Oh, yeah, I'd be scared too. Wait, how did Higgins die? I I guess just naturally. There was nothing about... Scary. Uh, Oh, no, it did say he had a heart attack. Yeah, it said he had a heart attack. But I guess he blamed Story for not being able to help him because he was drunk. He was drunk, yeah. And blamed... Uh, this is the theory that the, you know, Higgins ghost blamed Smith for leaving, blamed Story for being drunk. Yeah. So Keeper Zenor, who did not serve at the same time, served later, but he served for 22 years, said that he would sometimes hear Higgins' ghost. Oh. However, some people have disputed this whole entire story, saying that those three keepers never served the lighthouse at the same time. Oh, Interesting. Yeah, so it could be that maybe the story got mixed up with the names. It could be somebody's just making something up. Who knows? It was, you know, the 1800s, right. so we don't know. Records are probably not as diligently kept. Yeah. So now I will say this is actually fun info. Okay. This lighthouse has been used a few times as a filming location. Oh. It was used for the uh, an episode of the Hardy Boys in the 70s. And they actually filmed inside of um, inside of it for a Halloween episode. Spoopy. Yeah. But the production crew was later sued by the city because they trashed the place, apparently. Oh, dude. Right? Not cool. Yeah. Fuck you guys. Right. Uh, 1977, there was a Nancy Drew episode. Oh, cool. Filmed there. And then there were three movies filmed there. One called Hysterical, which I've never heard of, was filmed in 1983. One called Frame Up, which I've also never heard of, was filmed in 1991. And then a movie that everybody will know in 2002, The Ring. Oh. Yeah, which actually is a creepy movie that I've actually never seen, but have heard that it's yeah. very creepy. So good location yeah, to film it. Yeah, very creepy. Yeah. All right, moving on to the fourth lighthouse. This is the other one we visited. This is called the Hasita Head Lighthouse. Right. This is the one that we did that little, that we had to get like a little hike to go up there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That one was gorgeous. Oh my God. I loved that one so much. If you ever get the chance to go, it's beautiful. Yes. Yes. This is actually the most visited uh, lighthouse on the Oregon coast. Oh, cool. Yeah. And some people have pronounced it Hedica, but uh, the correct pronunciation that I found was Hasita. Okay. Cool. It opened in 1894 and closed down in 1963. It's only 56 feet tall as compared to the other one that was 93. But this one sits 205 feet above sea level. So it sits really high. It's on like a big cliff. Yeah. And it actually has the strongest light on the Oregon coast as well. And it goes 21 miles out. Oh, nice. Yeah. Some history behind this one. 1775, a Spanish sailor by the name of Don Bruno Hasita 
was sailing up the coast with 45 men from Mexico. He stopped and turned around because there were several men on his uh, ship that were sick from scurvy. Ooh. Yeah. So this is where the name Hasita comes from, was his last name. I I figured. Yeah. Yeah. That was kind of obvious, wasn't it? Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In March 2nd of 1889, Congress appropriated $80,000 which would be $2.6 million today. And laborers, I found this to be pretty interesting, actually. I had to do some math on this one, though. Okay. Laborers were paid 2 to $4 per day for a 10-hour workday. Damn. Which equated to 20 to $0.40 cents per hour. What? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> However, the average rate per hour back then was 13 cents oh okay so they were getting paid well so they were actually getting paid okay pretty well for the time for the time today though that would equate to 65 to 129 dollars a day or about six dollars and fifty cents to 12.90 per hour okay in our thinking of wages that's really not that good for the conditions that they have to build these in but for the time when the average was 13 cents an hour and they were getting 20 to 40 cents i take it pretty i guess they were getting paid pretty well yeah yeah so i thought that was pretty interesting in 1896 olaf hansen became the first assistant keeper and i i loved this story I love I I say I love it. I don't love it. It's terrible. But I like when I find an interesting history behind something. Yeah, I do too. His daughters went to their dad and said, Mr. Alexander, who was also another assistant keeper, and they called him a weirdo. They told their father that Mr. Alexander lassoed his horse, threw the horse to the ground, tied up his legs, and threw rocks at him. Not the horse. Right? That's so mean. Right. Back then, Olaf couldn't just pick up his phone and be like, yo, Mr. Alexander is beating his horse. Right. They had to send letters back and forth. So it took like a couple weeks before he could actually be reported and then removed from duty because they had to send letters. But he was removed from duty. So good. Good. Yes. Get that bitch out of there. That's right. March 25th of 1927, a young man by the name of Frederick Huntington fell 80 feet down a cliff about two miles from the lighthouse. Two of the keepers of the lighthouse were notified and rescued the boy after walking the small 8 to 12 inch path along the cliff. Oh, wow. Yeah. And they lowered a rope down and raised him up to safety. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, that's crazy. 80 feet. Damn, that's just... I can't imagine falling 80 feet down a cliff and he survived and he was fine but they saved him and you're eight to 12 inches like that's very narrow along the side of a cliff yes that's crazy good for them very brave yes in 1934 the light became electric so no more lighting it in world war ii so i guess this was a popular thing 75 men and a dozen dogs were stationed at the lighthouse to patrol the coast Mm mm-hmm In 1950, Keeper Clifford, who worked as the head keeper for 25 years, received the Albert Gallatin Award for his dedication, which is the highest career service award. Aw, good for him. Yeah, and he was the first civilian of the Coast Guard to ever receive that award. Aw. Okay, so fun fact. Fun fact. Albert Gallatin, who was, if you didn't know this, was our fourth Secretary of the Treasury. Oh. And I didn't know that either. Mm Mm-mm. 
He was born January 29th. Oh my God. That sounds so familiar. Right? Yep. That's mom's birthday. That's my birthday. Yep. Not the same year as me, obviously, because he was... (laughs) (laughs) they just they predicted that he was gonna be born and just made up this award yeah yeah like wait we think this guy is gonna be born in like a hundred years and we're just gonna make up this award so that it matches i mean that's what i would have done he was actually born in 1761 so almost 200 years before me more than 200 years before me wow yeah more than 200 years on february 12th 1961 a rock slide caused the power to go out and the generator also failed Oof. So this was the only time in the history of this lighthouse that the light went out. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a long time. Lighthouses are crazy, man. They are. They're so fascinating. They are. This, this to me is even more fascinating. Like, I, these people, like, they were freaking dedicated to their jobs mm-hmm. and making sure that ships did not wreck. Keeper Alec and two assistants walked the perimeter of the room for seven and a half hours to keep this light going by hand. Wow. Yes. Can you imagine? How, how did they do that? It said by an Aladdin lamp. And the only thing I could find is an Aladdin lamp is literally what would you think of as like a genie lamp. So right. I don't I don't know what an Aladdin lamp was considered back then. Huh. I don't know. But that's crazy. Like that I can't imagine crazy. you're just walking around for a circle for seven and a half hours. That's crazy. My legs would be tired. I'd get dizzy. I certainly... <laughs> I certainly hope there were some ships that came during that time that needed that light. Right. Guidance. Because otherwise, like, you just walked for seven and a half hours for no reason. You'd just be doing that for nothing. Yeah. It's no wonder people back then were so skinny. I mean, God, you're walking for seven and a half hours. Yeah. And the hills, the, the hills and the cliffs that you have to walk just to get to these places. Yeah, especially this one. Yeah. Uh, and this, I mean, this one to me just has the most fascinating history. Not the most. This is the second to last one, obviously. But there's just a lot of, a lot of things happened here. In 1963, it finally became retired because the light was automated. So he didn't have to have a keeper anymore. It was just automated. And I think the Coast Guard probably took this one over too. So Lane Community College started using this site as for classrooms and like coastal field trips. Oh, cool. Yeah. And then in 1995, so they did that for a few, like, I don't know how long, but a long period of time they used it. And in 1995, it was remodeled and was turned into a bed and breakfast, which is what it still is today. Mm, Very cute. So we didn't, yeah, we didn't get to go in there, but we got to go in the gift shop, which just has, you know, gift shoppy things. Like, not creepy stuff, though, like that. I don't know. I don't know that there was creepy stuff at Bishop's Castle. I feel like Bishop's Castle is going to continue to come up. Oh, always. I mean, it's the inspiration for the podcast. <laughs> that is true. That is true. But no, this this was not um, a creepy gift shop. This was a nice so, gift shop. And so when I was thinking about like doing merch, I was almost, I almost thought we should have a shirt that says, not his father Willard. <laughs> <laughs> Jim built the castle. That's what it should say. Jim built the Jim castle. Built the castle. Yeah. I would wear that. I would wear the heck out of that. Head of Jim built the castle. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Jim, castle builder. Jim, castle builder. Okay. Like his I'm getting signature. Off track again. His signature and then in the parentheses, yeah. castle builder. <sighs> I don't know. We I don't know if we could use his signature. Yeah, I don't know, but you know. We'll figure Jim it out. might get mad about that. He might. Yeah, we'll I really it out. Jim's not someone I want to piss off. I don't want to piss Jim off either. If Jim, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I don't know that he's heard our podcast yet, so he. Yeah. I, I'm yeah. hoping we haven't. We'll probably him off get yet. there someday. We'll talk about it enough that he'll get mad. Someday. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, you can go. You can stay at the uh, bed and breakfast. Apparently, it's pretty much booked all the time. Yeah. So if you want to stay, you better get on it. 
And then you can walk up to the lighthouse as well. This is where the Cape Creek flows into the Pacific Ocean. Freshwater meeting uh, seawater. And I took a video of that and put it up on TikTok. It's very cool. It is. It's so, it just sounds so beautiful. And it's cold. It's very cold. It's very pretty. But I mean, it it was just gorgeous. I actually, one of the pictures that I posted of that, somebody commented and said, it looks like it would be a background that comes with your Windows computer. It does. And I was like, it does actually, but it's worthy of that because it's gorgeous. Yeah, it's gorgeous. I'll probably frame one of those pictures someday. Yeah, it's just, it's so pretty. The bathrooms are disgusting though. Yeah, don't go to the bathroom there. Make sure you use the bathroom before you get there. Go to a restroom somewhere else. There is no sink or soap. Yeah, and it's basically a porta potty inside of a wood box. Yeah, so if that's not your speed. Yeah, (laughs) it looks like there was actually other restrooms, and but they were closed. So I'm wondering. Yeah, they were closed when we were there. Yeah, maybe they got damaged or some way. Yeah, I have no idea. But the temporary bathrooms that are there is basically yeah, pour a potty inside of wood. So terrible. it's, It's disgusting. I had to hold my breath. And those were the only bathrooms, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. It was unfortunate. Yeah, unless you can get into the bed and breakfast, which we could not. We weren't allowed to get in. But you could walk around and take pictures. And it was just gorgeous. So, I mean, the the area is just beautiful. Now, this is the five haunted lighthouses. We should probably get into some hauntings. Hell yeah. That's my favorite part. The lighthouse is not actually haunted, but the house is. The keeper's house? The keeper's house. The bed and breakfast area. This is on the 10 most haunted places in the United States. Oh. Yes. The ghost that haunts the premises is said to be the wife of one of the keepers. She mourns the loss of her infant child who died on the grounds. Some people say the child drowned, but I don't know exactly. However, and this is where I want you to remember what we talked about earlier. Okay. Because this is what I found on many sites. It said, however, back then there were not always accurate records of wives and children. Right. So I guess either the people at the Yaquina Bay Lighthouse that was only there for three years kept very accurate records of their families. Mm-hmm. And just maybe the people at Hasita Head did not keep track of the wives and children because they didn't matter. It was only the men that mattered of to them. Of course not. I mean, women and children, ugh, disgusting. Yeah. There was no record of a child being born on the grounds, which I don't know, but there was, there is a gravestone there of an infant child. Oh. An infant girl, which we did not see when I saw that. I was like, "Ah, why didn't we see that? Yeah, I didn't see anything. Apparently, it's been grown over now and you can't see it anymore. Oh, okay. Sad. So the ghost that wanders around is called the gray lady because she appears to be in a gray dress or has gray hair or is like gray figure. You know, she's always in gray. Right. Uh, She is sometimes referred to as Rue because it is said during the time that the Lane Community College was using the site that some of the students used a Ouija board to communicate with her and she spelled out the name Rue. Interesting. Yeah. Rue has been seen several times so there's been many sightings of her. Uh, it's like this This bed and breakfast is they don't even promote it as haunted because people just go there because, because of her. They so just like, know. Because they just know. Yeah. Like So she there's been several sightings of Rue. She's said to be looking for something like she's just walking around looking for something and a lot of people say she's looking for her child. Mm-hmm. She's been seen moving furniture closing and opening doors 
there will suddenly be a depression on a bed or a chair as if someone just sat down. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. A couple stories that I saw. One was that a man who was working on the place was frightened when he saw her in the attic window. Spoopy. And he had to fix a window in the attic and he did not want to go into the attic. Fair. So he fixed it from the outside. Oh. Yeah, fixed the window from the outside, but he refused to go inside, so he did not clean up the broken glass that was inside the attic. Oh, okay. So it was like, you know, something hit the window, the glass shattered inside. Yeah. The innkeepers heard someone in the middle of the night sweeping. No. In the morning, they found a pile of broken glass that was neatly under the window. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, I hate that. And here's the one that I hate the most. Okay. So another guest, and I don't know why you would do this, another guest said she felt someone climb into bed beside her and slept there for a couple hours. Uh, Why? I would get out of the bed. No. Girl. No. You're just, you know, chilling and someone gets in your bed and you're just like, oh, hey. Like, come sleep with me for a couple hours. No. Yeah, uh-uh. I would be the get the fuck out of my bed or I'm jumping out of the bed yeah, and running out exactly. of the bedroom. No, she was just like, oh, it was just like this nice motherly presence. Uh, no. Okay. No. Okay. <sighs> Not for me. <laughs> Couldn't be me. No. Not for me either. Um, no, um, thanks. No, I'm good. no, thank you. Last one. This Last is one. Tillamook Rock. Oh. And this one is kind of funny because... I had never heard of Tillamook Rock. This is funny for me for the moment. And then I was in the grocery store the other day and I saw Tillamook Rock and it's cheese or something like that. Oh. It comes in a container. And then I was listening to an audiobook. It's called The Gunkle. If you want to listen to it, please go listen to it because I absolutely loved it. It's so cute. It's cute. It's sweet. It's heartwarming. It's like your Hallmark holiday movie okay. if it was about a gay uncle. Okay. <laughs> um, but it's very sweet and heartfelt. So The Gunkle. And in that, he mentions Tillamook and I was like I've never heard of this in my life and now all of a sudden I'm hearing it like everywhere all on top of each other it's so weird when things happen like that okay so Tillamook Rock is located in Seaside Oregon it's about a mile and a half off the coast of Oregon this is a rough one okay it's on an enormous basalt rock if you have never looked this up go look it up we're gonna post a picture of this one too because I'm looking it up this rock it is enormous, and it is like an island, basically, in the middle of the ocean. Hold on. I'm looking it up. Oh, very cool. It is cool. It's creepy, but it's... I would hate to be there. Yeah, you would, so we'll get there. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> like, it's it's cool to, like, look at from the shore, Yeah. but I would not want to be there. Well, I'll just tell you, it has never been accessible to the public. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I don't have to worry about that. No. So cool. they decided... This would be a great place to build a lighthouse on this rock. Yeah. In the middle of the ocean. totally accessible. There was three episodes about this on the Offbeat Oregon podcast. So if you get a chance, go listen to those. They're really short. They're, They're like 10 minutes long, but it's just interesting to hear. Right. Because of all the fog and the ships hitting the rock, because you can imagine ships are hitting this rock. It's a mile and a half off the coast. It's a huge black rock. There's fog. There's storms. So the ships aren't going to see anything. So they decide, we're going to build a lighthouse on the rock. Okay. That's that's the best idea, right? Right. 
This was commissioned by U.S. Congress in 1878. After 500 days of construction, so over 500 days, almost it took almost two years to build this. Dang. It opened January 21st, 1881, and was in operation for 77 years. Wow. So it was actually in operation for a long time. I mean, I guess it was smart, but it's just right off the bat, this was dubbed Terrible Tilly. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. This just gives you good, good, warm feelings right, right up front. Yes, I feel very cozy, yes. very snug. You just want to like cuddle up and like hear a story about terrible Tilly. Yeah, this is my bedtime. So story. yeah, grab your blanket, your hot cup of cocoa, because here we go. Okay, I'm ready. First and foremost, the reason the local tribes believed this rock was cursed, oh, and evil spirits resided on it. You should listen to that before you build a lighthouse. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, I get it. I, I, I get why they did it. It's necessary. You don't want ships crashing. I just feel like they could have it's found just, a different know. place. I mean, clearly it worked, but at what cost? Right. At what cost? They said, we're going to build a lighthouse. So we're going to send a surveyor because you have to send a surveyor so he can say, first of all, is right. it even possible to build a lighthouse here? So they yeah. send a surveyor, John Trevavis, I believe is how you pronounce it. Very first man to ever step on that rock that we know of. Poor John is hit by a large wave, washed off the rock, <gasps> and drowns. John! And his body was never found. Oh, no. Yeah. That's awful. Also, like, warning flag number one. Uh, yeah, hello. <laughs> yeah. If it wasn't enough that the tribe said, um, hold up. That rock's cursed, and evil spirits live there. And they're like, nah, it's it's fine. Bro. First man steps on it, dies. If a Native American tribe told me that somewhere was cursed, you can bet I would I would not set foot anywhere near that place. No, I'd be like, I believe you, I'm good. 100%, no way. Yep. So not only has the tr- have the tribes already said this, and the first man to step on it have died, now the locals are like, um this isn't a good idea like now they're convinced yeah the locals refused to work on the project because of this okay right so the government goes out and hires workers from other areas far away people who have never heard yeah they've never heard of tillamook rock they've never heard of that it's cursed they have no clue okay and they were then forced to live in isolation oh because the government didn't want locals telling them about the dangers uh-uh. or the stories behind it. Bruh. Yeah. The fucking government. Right. They were working in shifts. Construction workers were rotated. Some were working on the rock and living on the rock. And then some were, of course, living in isolation. They were living like just over the river in Washington. Right. And I heard one, I think it was actually on that um, Offbeat Oregon podcast. They were like, oh, so I can't just like go down to the local pub and get a beer? It's like, nope. Damn. Mm-mm. We've got to stay right there. So they were like forced to live without being able to You would talk. know something. You up. would think so. You would know. So not only were they forced to live in isolation, but when they were actually living on the rock, they were living in terrible conditions. First off, they had to blast the rock so much to get a level surface because it there was not a level surface to build that. Right. So it had to be blasted. They were living in tents on top of this rock. With all the storms and massive waves crashing around them, they were often soaked. So their clothing was soaked, their tents were soaked, Yikes. and they were living on this rock for weeks. That sounds awful. While they were trying to build 
this lighthouse. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually, they were able to live in smaller buildings because they could build those in order to live in them and continue construction. So maybe it got a little bit better. But at one point, there was such a massive storm that the group that was living on the rock was stranded for two weeks and almost starved to death. Oh, jeez. Crews couldn't even bring them supplies because Damn. the storms were so bad. Yeah. Ooh. You could not pay me a million dollars to work on a rock in the middle of the ocean. No way. Uh-uh. When the men were transported back and forth from the rock, they were hoisted one by one into what's called a britches buoy. Okay. You know what that is, right? No. <laughs> I was hoping you wouldn't because I was like, I have no idea what a britches buoy is. Yeah, I've never, I mean, I've heard of a buoy, but what the heck is a britches buoy? Okay, have you heard of britches? Yeah, like pants. Yeah, that reminds me of my grandpa because he would say britches. <laughs> um, it's basically that. It's a huge pair of rubber pants hooked to a flotation ring. <laughs> okay. One man would put on this, the britches buoy, and it was tied to cables. They would attach it to a winch and move one man at a time up to the rock or back from the rock. Absolutely not. And many workers died doing this. Yeah, that sounds dangerous. Yeah, I don't think I want to do that. That doesn't sound like a fun time. Yeah, I mean, it's no. I'm 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 not no. going to I'm not going to do that. Pass. So just before the lighthouse was finished, there were two shipwrecks. Oh. And one person said that they also saw a ghost ship coming by and collecting the lost souls. What? Mhm. No. Yeah. Collecting what? Because there were so many shipwrecks here, there was now a ghost ship that came to collect lost souls. Oh my god. That's terrifying. Yeah. Ghost ship. Then 18 days before the lighthouse officially opened, a ship by the name of Lupatia, I believe is how it's pronounced, almost collided with the rock, but luckily it avoided it just in time. However, shortly after... It hit Tillamook Head, killing all 16 men aboard. Oh, sad. Twelve bodies were recovered, four were never recovered. Oh, that's awful. There was only one survivor of the ship, who was a dog. Oh. And he swam a mile through freezing waters to get to the shore. Oh my goodness. I know. I love that dog. I know. I wish they had a name for him, but I couldn't find a name must be such a brave puppy right i hope he had the best life after that yeah the lighthouse shut down september 1st 1957 five men from vegas then decided we're gonna purchase this lighthouse from an auction okay just for funsies yeah three of the men decided we're gonna go visit it that's gonna be awesome they were so scared they never made a second trip oh yeah no Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'd be scared to make the first trip like and it changed ownership several times. I bet. Because people would buy it and then be like, what am I going to do with Never mind. this? It's, there's yeah. nothing to do with this. <laughs> yeah. I think it was just like one of those things like, oh, yeah, let's buy a lighthouse. And then it's like, well, you can only get to it by boat and then climbing up a humongous rock. Yeah. In 1980, Mimi Morissette and Kathy Riley decided to purchase the lighthouse and they turned it into... The Eternity at Sea Columbarium. A what? A columbarium is a place to house ashes of the deceased. In So there were urns of ashes that people could say, this is how I want my loved one to be buried. Right. And they would put them inside the lighthouse in an urn. That's very nice. 
Very spooky, but very nice. Yeah, yeah. I did find in 1991 that two urns were stolen from the lighthouse. Who who would steal that? And there's For no other purposes? information. And I'm thinking, how the fuck do you do that? You take a boat, you climb up this humongous ass rock, break inside of a lighthouse, steal two urns of ashes, climb yeah. back down this rock. That's just so un- unnecessary. And for what? Exactly. Like, and and <laughs> you're already so you've already built a lighthouse on top of a cursed yeah. ground with evil spirits. Several people have died. Now there's the ashes of several people inside of it, and you're going to steal the ashes. Bro, there's going to be so many spirits mad at you. Who would do that? Death wish. <laughs> Only people with a death wish. Ugh. So in 1999, they their license expired. They never, I guess, kept it going. But there are still 30 urns inside of that lighthouse. Oh. Yeah. Hopefully they're resting peacefully. To my knowledge, those two women still own it because it didn't say anybody else has purchased it. But yeah. I don't know. That's so creepy. A couple of the hauntings. Tell me all about it. Some people say that you can hear a dog howling at night. Oh, Yeah. The puppy. People have seen ghost ships. So whether there's more Creepy sightings spot. of ghost ships collecting lost souls. So weird, but so cool. And there is said to be two ghosts that live there. Both of these ghosts apparently have a love of the lighthouse. And both have are said to have been keepers there at some point. One ghost is friendly. And is said to be buried there. And one of the keepers is buried there. And doesn't harm anybody. Mm. Just a friendly ghost. Not that anybody goes there. But yeah. Hanging out. The second ghost is said to be not friendly. Oh boy. Can be heard moaning and whispering in pain. I don't know where people are saying this because you can only access this by helicopter. Right. So whether this is people that have owned it or people that were keepers there or what. Stories that have been passed down. Yeah. Yeah. So he has said that he also loved the lighthouse, but he tries to scare away anybody that tries to take his job. Ah, a jealous light keeper. Mm-hmm. One light keeper said that he was chased by this ghost, and he was later said to have been taken away in a straitjacket. And, par- and then one other one said that now he also haunts the lighthouse. Dude. Yeah. Creepy. I don't enjoy that. <laughs> Those are the five haunted lighthouses on the Oregon coast. Okay. (laughs) Man, lighthouses are just so creepy in general. I love them so much. I think they're so cool. I think they're all creepy. Like, they all just give, like, a weird vibe. Really? Oh, yeah. I've always gotten a weird vibe from lighthouses. Yeah, I've never. Like, they're really cool, but they're, they're just all so creepy. I've never really found them to be creepy. I've just, I guess I've just always kind of thought that they were just fascinating, you know, because that's, it's not something that obviously you see anywhere but the coast, right? you know, and I have just kind of always thought that they were fascinating in the sense that they're for the most part so unique. Yeah, I mean, they are fascinating and the history behind them is fascinating, but something about them is just not right. And I'm glad that we got to visit a couple of them. Yeah, it was cool to visit. Yeah, there. I mean, I would like to visit some more someday. They were just gorgeous. Let's visit that last one, Mom. <laughs> Can only visit it by helicopter. Yeah, that that, that was uh, firmly a joke. In case you didn't know, yeah, I I kind of assumed there's that. no way I'm stepping foot on that rock. 
But even just being there, so, I mean, not that we were at Tillamook by any means, but even just like when we were at Hasita and we were taking videos of the waves coming up and hitting the rocks, and that was a very mild day. Oh, very mild. And some of those waves were just like crashing against those rocks Mm -hmm. hard. I can't imagine trying to work in those conditions in a storm when you have massive waves. And one of them said the wave was like almost as tall as the rock, but then the spray spray, from the rock just comes coming down on top of them it's just like a rainstorm coming down on top of you from the spray i could not do it yeah it's crazy so that's it Alrighty, that's what i got for you cool so then you'll be up next week i will be up next week and i will be telling a very fun story very fun very fun we got any hints no no okay all right no hints no hints no hints for it's anyone a, it's a mystery you just gotta listen it's always a mystery awesome all right well Thanks for listening, and keep finding the thrill in the mysterious. Yes, thank you. And, uh... Peace out. (laughs) We can't peace out yet. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) We can't peace out because we gotta do the socials. Oh, uh, socials, sorry. (laughs) It's okay. So we got Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, email, and now a website. And our website! Woo! Woo! All right. So visit us any of those and don't forget to make a new post. Tag us with your roadside attraction or your unique destination so you can possibly get one of our three giveaways. Get some fun merch. Get some fun merch for roadside. Oh, yeah. All right. That's it. Very exciting. Now we're done. All right. Okay. Now we're done. All right. I'm hitting stop. Bye.